Thanks for listening to Sex with Emily. On today's show, I'm hosting Kasha Urbaniak, former dominatrix and founder of The University, a school that teaches women the foundations of power and influence. I really admire the work she's doing as it's so crucial in this time right now. Men and women are just so confused about how to relate to each other in and out of the bedroom. We talk about how silence is our biggest enemy, not men, power dynamics and how to level the playing field so we can actually play and stay together, what we need to do to move forward sexually and moving past sexual guilt. All this and more, thanks for listening. If you've been listening to my show for a while, there are two things you hear me talk about all the time, toys and lube. And you also know I always suggest using them together. But what you may not know is that System Joe now has a lube specifically designed for toy use. Joe's H2O jelly clings to the surface of toys longer, so you don't have to worry about reapplying as often. Somehow they've managed to give it that extra staying power without being overly sticky, because who wants that? And since it's water-based, the cleanup is super easy. It's made with toys in mind, but the jellies are also great for couples play. Joe jellies come in three thicknesses, light, original, and maximum, so you can find the one that works the best for you. It's safe to say Joe Jellies are my new go-to lube. Check them out today by clicking on the Joe banner on my site. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Hey, Emily, you got a boyfriend? Because my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. The girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean, like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God, I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. You know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. You're listening to Sex with Emily. We're talking about sex, relationships, and everything in between. For more information, go to sexwithemily.com. Check out our podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. I love when you do that. It makes our lives easier and also makes your life easier because you'll get every podcast. We do two a week, sometimes three lately. And you can also subscribe and write us uh, a review on iTunes. That also helps us to continue to do shows. So thanks for that. And also follow me on social media. It's all at Sex with Emily on Facebook Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, kinda, mostly Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's at Sex with Emily. And also a newsletter. Check that all out. You can subscribe to all of it on our website. I'm really excited to welcome my guest, Kasha Urbaniak. She's here. She's the founder and CEO of the Academy, a school that teaches women the foundations of power and influence. And I'm just going to give you a little brief info here so you know what you're getting into, but I just, I promise you, this is going to be a really powerful interview that's really going to shift the way that you think about men and women and how we relate in the world. I am so excited to talk to her. So her perspective on power is really unique and she's made a living as one of the world's most successful dominatrix while studying power dynamics with teachers all over the world. She practiced Taoist alchemy, one of the oldest female-led monasteries. I have so many questions about that. Um, and since founding the Academy in 2013, she's taught hundreds of women practical tools to step into leadership positions in their relationships, families, workplaces, and wider communities. She speaks at conferences, and she's speaking to us today. Welcome to the show, Kasha. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, it's interesting. We just met and I've been prepping and reading all of her stuff this week. I'm like, oh my God, this woman has got it. She's got her finger on the pulse of what's happening right now. When we first talked about having you as a guest, 
it was like I was reading that you're a dominatrix and you've done all this work and now I was like okay dominatrix I haven't had someone on the show in a while who teaches that and then I'm like reading about everything else you're doing. I'm like that's sort of a sidebar that prepared you for the leadership role that you're in today with everything going on in the world right now um, with me too and with men and women walking around really really confused about how we relate so first maybe you could just give me some background here a little bit of how you got to where you are today you mean like how the school got started? Yeah, how the school got started. That would be a great start. Um, well, initially, um, I was working as a dominatrix. And uh, I was also studying Taoist practices, a lot of which have to do with body reading, martial arts, healing. And um, I found myself being really influenced by those practices and how I approached clients. That made me very, very good at what I did. And so I was asked to train other dominatrixes. Once I started training other women to do this very specific thing, I started seeing patterns in where they had difficulty in having actual power and influence over their clients mm. rather than just performing, you've been such a bad boy, right? <laughs> right. Um, I also watched how, as I was, I was doing this quite young, so I watched how my non-dominatrix friends related to men all of the assumptions, the superstitions, the losses of power. And this sort of progressed for a while. And then five years ago, I met my business partner, mm-hmm. who uh, Ruben Flores, who worked for Doctors Without Borders. We had the most fascinating six-month conversation. Wow. He was coming from Africa in really high-conflict areas. And what he was talking about was situations where you're at like a border checkpoint and... You have a piece of paper that says you have authority, but you also have five groups of people who don't speak the same language, 14-year-olds on drugs with machine guns, and you have to build this field hospital in the middle of all of this. So we started talking about the ways that people can communicate beyond language, this primal communication, how you establish authority and how you surrender it when it's appropriate. And uh, I could not believe that what he discovered on the fringes of death and war was so close to what I discovered on the fringes of human sexuality. So we started seeing that like, there are these structures at play. Um, Primarily we referred to them as power dynamics. Mm -hmm. And um, these have not only such a huge impact on any conversation despite what's said, despite the language that's spoken, but also they play really differently with men and women. Because men and women are raised to play differently in this particular paradigm. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was like you're like click like this yeah. would be a great a great partnership. Yeah. So you kind of you started this underground school in New York five years ago, yeah. which was before me too. Because now this is like everyone. I feel like I want to go take your course. I want to think that a lot of people need some kind of version of this to learn how to relate. But when you started this five years ago, it was more like um, tell me about that. Like the first class. Oh, it was so romantic. We, <laughs> we were like, we were like, we have a secret society full of powerful women who are teaching to be even more powerful. Right. And it was very theatrical and erotic and private. And uh, you know, we were like, we weren't really thinking about changing the world. We were thinking about getting these women who already had access to power to be able to use their, let's say their more inherent feminine connection to the somatic, to the visceral, to the feeling, uh, the things that women learn through the patriarchy that can be seen as negative, how to harmonize a group, how to be aware of group dynamics, uh, what people call empathy, 
you know how how do you how do you get those actual assets at play in a way that doesn't make her a nice girl a good girl right so um it was really really exciting it was such an exciting time um we were you know all the subjects ranging from their romantic relationships to how to convince the CEO or how to like, you know, it was, right. it was remarkable. And how we to were, get a raise or how to get your partner to like take you on a date or how to yeah, get or how, how you get your CEO to get into aerospace or how do you get the politics of your environment to change? Like big thing, like it was really exciting because I started seeing a huge impact out in the world through this small group of women. So we really felt like a secret society. Yeah, right. And we got to play and do these outrageous things. And then um, a huge shift happened. So, uh, this is going to sound weird, but um, dog training had a huge influence on how I how I was working as a dominatrix. Okay, um, I started seeing how the structures of attention create hierarchy, and this predisposition women have to put attention inward when there's conflict, and the predis- predisposition men have to put their attention out when there's conflict. Right. So the election happened. Mm-hmm. Basically, what happened was. During the debates, our students, debate number one, debate number two, debate number three. We're talking about debate between Trump and Hillary Clinton, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They were analyzing every single power move made. They were analyzing. I was blown away how much they got of what we taught. Yeah. They were like, okay, this is what's happening here. This is what's happening here. And there was this fervor growing, this frustration, because they saw what was happening. They saw that she didn't stand a fucking chance. Right. Like, I understand the Electoral College and the popular vote, but, like, that should have been a landslide. Right. And it wasn't. And they were watching and explaining to me, you have to do something. Give me an example. Because I feel like what you're saying is that, like, Hillary didn't... We all know that she's really strong and smart and probably in many ways... I mean, people hate Hillary Clinton. We don't often talk about politics on the show because people get... You guys get so mad. So just don't take this as a Democrat or Republican thing right now when you're listening. Let's take it as a woman who probably was told to kind of wipe away all of your strength as a woman and bring in some... But don't be too feminine and don't... Right? A million things. So she kind of showed up as kind of blank or kind of erased right. a lot so of the, the edges, right? The, yeah, yeah. That's one and way of putting it. Al Gore did this too when he when he was when he ran for president against um George Bush. Okay, so I, I used to work in politics for this. So I just remember they were like, what happened to Gore? Like he was this person, but he showed up. Maybe I always feel like he had too much coaching or something. And he was just like, <laughs> I can't be and they're like, what happened to your personality? Why didn't you show this Al Gore when you were running and you lost? So it's kind of like this she probably had too many People so, say, don't be Hillary. So in the language of the school, I can explain yeah, what happened. Yeah, tell me. Yes, this please. Like, That's what I so, want you to do. <laughs> okay, so, so again, to all the listeners, I get how controversial this is, because if you love her, if you hate her, you're going to hate right. me for saying anything. Right. So but, just but listen to the t- yeah. takeaway politics and just look at the body. Yeah. Just look at the body. Look, thank this you. Is just, this is just about the body. This actually happens to women quite early. Your first longing, your first desire, that's personal to you, right, as you're growing up, is erotic. If you're a kid and you want a cookie and you don't get it, you cry your eyes out. Mm-hmm. When you find somebody attractive and you want them to love you back and you're not getting it, right? That desire is so much more personal. It means so much more about you. It's a high stakes desire. And the tendency in women and men, boys and girls growing up, is that once somebody notices that a girl is sexually interested, mm-hmm. her entire world gets slammed into two. She's either a slut or a prude, and oftentimes she's both. Right. And the way that this ends up manifesting further along is, you know, her breasts are too small until they're too big. She's too quiet until she's too loud. She's too studious until she's not studious enough. And it continues. 
until she's too concerned with career, not with family, too concerned with family, not career. And the space in between those two things is almost, I mean, it's like walking a fucking tightrope yeah, your entire life. It is. Right? Whereas, whereas when a boy expresses it, it's just like, oh, look, isn't he cute? Look, he's going right. after it. He's, he's going being after tough, it. He's strong. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's unidirectional. It's mm-hmm. not that split. So there's this idea that all humanity is equal, and that's a really beautiful spiritual principle. But at play, like in interaction, what happens usually is there's a top and a bottom. There's a dom and a sub. And they switch in the best instances in like a ripe, beautiful conversation. I'm on top when I'm speaking. I'm watching to see if the words land in your body. I'm paying attention to you. Mm -hmm. You're the sub, so I'm putting my attention on you, right? Something gets triggered in you, inspired, and you start to speak. Now you're the top. Mm -hmm. And you're watching me to see if I'm getting it. I am in my own experience seeing if it triggers something. Mm -hmm. So that is like the ideal fluid switching dynamic. So women have a tendency to be afraid of both looking like they're on top and on the bottom. So true. So the language translates into bossy and bitchy if they're on top because they're on top, but they're not comfortable with it. Right. And that transmits. We make ourselves smaller. Right. Or, yeah, or angry, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, like with too much effort. And then on the bottom, when it's time for us to receive and surrender, we don't want to feel needy and desperate so that there's discomfort there. So there's a tendency for women to limit that range and be in this smush, in this compression. Not too much this, not too much that. So, so often in those debates, what you saw is... Hillary, not being too much, not being too little, right. not being too dom, not being too sub, not being too much of a mother, not being too much of a daughter, not right. being too much of a sl- not being too much of anything. Now, here's the problem. As animals, we listen to a signal. So if you turn down the volume on Obama mm-hmm. and watch him, and you turn down the volume on Trump and watch him, and you turn down the volume on Hillary and watch her, mm-hmm. and you imagine you're an alien, you have no idea right. about politics, okay. right? You get a signal from Obama, you get a signal from Trump, right? And you get nothing from Hillary. Wow. So no matter what she says, she's kind of standing there and no, no matter what, her body could not transmit a signal. So wow. no matter what she says, feels like a lie to a body, right? Not necessarily to a mind, but to a body. Right. There's no signal to back it up, right? So uh, the students went into an uproar, and like we had to do our first big public event the day after the election, oh my God. and we had to start teaching. So uh, our first class was how to have a political conversation using power dynamics. Okay. Because this was the the fall, and right. people were like, "I'm not going to Thanksgiving dinner. I'm not going right to exactly. Dinner. I can't talk to my family. Like yeah. right, 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 right." So we started doing that, and that was like the first moment where our website was not password protected. Okay, <laughs> you're like people need me right now. They need yeah. the help, and your your password. Let me just tell you if you're listening. Like, wait, I got to check out. I got to see what Emily's talking about. It is, um, it's Kasia K A S I A. Urbaniak, that's U-R-B-A-N-I-A-K dot com. It's easier to go to weteachpower.com. Weteachpower.com yeah. is so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. It'll redirect to that We site, teach but... power. Yeah. We can all spell that. Okay. I've done a lot of research and reading about you. You said that the dog training. So explain that a little bit more about how that was the book about how to teach your dog. The dog whisperer. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's more like we want the we want someone to be do- the dogs. Like they can kind of read. Your, there was a people, they want an alpha male or they want an alpha personality, any dog. Like whenever I had a dog for a little, my friends were like, oh, they, he needs a man. I was, like, I was probably just too passive with the dog. It's not even about masculine and feminine. It's more about the energy. Right? Yeah, what I got from it, what I got from it in the context that I was looking yeah. at from was that, um, so the, the, you know, the dog's always looking to see who's on top. 
And when there's nobody on top, the dog thinks that he's on top and the dog isn't equipped to be on top because in an apartment doesn't know how to hunt food and provide for its back, right? So it goes a little nuts and neurotic, right? So the dog needs to know somebody's on top. How does the dog recognize that? And what was incredible was in, it was just, you know, a, a glimpse of an idea, but where I took it changed my relations with human beings and definitely my work, which was, it was very clear that from a stable place, the alpha needed to put full attention on the animal in a way that the animal could fully feel and surrender into and relax and go, oh, mm. <sighs> right. the pack leader has got me. Like, right. I'm safe. Right. The attention is on me. I will follow now. Okay. And, and even in the earliest days of training dominatrixes, when they were going into the room with their clients, one thing that was missing is no matter what they were doing or saying or whips they were pulling out, their attention was on themselves and their performance. Mm-hmm. And they were missing the weight of attention that the client needed, especially an alpha male right. spending his day being boss. Right. Like the incredible weight of attention he needed in order to shift his brain chemistry into a submissive state right. where he could relax and receive was enormous. And women were afraid to invade the space of a man even when they were paid for it right. and directed to. Right. Because so, how do you do it with that? And how do you show up authentic rather than just reading words or whatever? You have to really be there and listen and be in that power place, which that's tough. So le- teaching women how to be dominated is now teaching women how to be in their bodies and be powerful. Yeah. It's basically been your, your journey. Um, I'm I s- teaching them to switch because a lot of very powerful women have trouble surrendering. Yeah. I, and it's impossible to contribute. I'm going to raise my hand. <laughs> it's not only impossible to contribute to a woman who can't surrender, it's impossible to know what she needs without her explicitly saying so. Mm-hmm. So like if somebody's in a surrendered state, you look at them, you can kind of feel like what they want, what they need, like whether it's a hug or whether it's you know a compliment or whether it's a smack. Like <laughs> you can feel it. <laughs> right. But the, um, when a person's in a very dominant state, they're impenetrable. Their attention's going out so it's like swimming upstream right. to even feel them. So, I mean, this is so interesting because what you're teaching now is all about these power dynamics that have become really, really like confused lately. So especially with what's happening in the world with Me Too, I think there's so many places I want to go right now. So I want to start out with your workshop, which is clearly a fairly new one, but you have a cornering Harvey workshop, which is about Harvey Weinstein. Can you talk about that workshop? Yeah, um, so it started as <laughs> cornering Harvey because we were using the script that was recorded of him and teaching women how all the different ways. Like literally the script. Yeah. Like, no, we had, a bat- we, hotel room and- we had a guy in a bathrobe and a potted plant next to it. Like it was really hilarious. Oh my God. Amazing. <laughs> Get yeah. the whole set. Okay. <laughs> so, um, in, uh, in a sexual harassment scenario, what's oftentimes happening is the sexual harasser is putting a woman on the spot, right? He's being dominant, putting all his attention on her. And, um, there's this thing that happens, and I, I'm sure many female listeners, maybe even some male listeners can relate to this, where when you're put on the spot in a really aggressive way, um, and you already have a tendency to turn your attention inward, you freeze. Mm-hmm. And in that freeze, a woman loses access to language. It's, you know, her, her amygdala gets hijacked, like her, her brain chemistry changes. Access to language and agency becomes incredibly difficult. So she's much more likely to comply or her silence reads as consent and this is a huge problem because in that state when she's in the freeze she's much less likely to leave the room she might not even think to leave the room right because it's like the fight or flight like it's yeah. so basic right it's we can't, so, so we can't use language we lose language which makes yeah. so much sense because yeah. that's what makes us different than animals okay yeah so um 
when all of the Me Too stuff started coming out and the Harvey stories and all the other stories, like the thing I wanted most was to give as many women, women possible the simplest tool to break the freeze. And, um, you know, since then it's turned into a verbal self-defense course that's online. But the basic principle is that when she's frozen, her attention is stuck inward. She's having 10,000 thoughts. She's saying, I'm going to say something now. I'm going to say something now. The moment keeps passing. She's running around inside her own head wanting to say something, wanting to say something, but she's frozen. So the, the way to break the freeze, first put your attention out and follow it with language asking a question okay so if they practice if they practice very specific questions even in a language frozen state putting attention out and asking that prepared question is enough to flip the power dynamic why a question because the person hearing the question automatically turns their attention inward Mm -hmm. which means there's less pressure on her so not only has she broken the freeze she's flipped the power dynamic and now the person who's heard the question, whether it's like, do you realize this statement like that make, might make a woman really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Simple, simple, not even with that right, conversation. Right, you literally just flip it, okay. Even for a second, if the person goes inward, it's enough to give her access to more language, right. agency, and from that moment, she's 10 times more likely to be able to just stand up and leave the room. Right, God, so, so powerful. It was, it was super, super, super exciting to... Um, experiment with that over and over and over again and and have these workshops and show women who like consider themselves to be the shyest field mouses right actually not only deliver the first question but then a second one and a third one and a fourth one that's even harsher do you like women do you like making women feel small is this what you need in order to get it up (laughs) do you like yeah and and just watching them watching them just there get off of it really (laughs) and and the thing is what I love about this is because I think about this too in reading and to be obviously to be honest but when I was reading all of your stuff and I've been going through it it's like I see myself like I am a powerful woman with a business and I'm all these things but I do I freeze with language ironically because I have a show but I also feel like in scenarios that are tricky like even if it's a work thing or negotiating or with a friend I freeze a lot and I had never thought about it that it was this fight or flight because I get anxious and then I get in my head and I'm over but just to be able to say even if it's not a Harvey Weinstein in a bathroom where it's someone saying like if I'm hiring a new lawyer and he's like so we're going to take 10% is that okay I might be thinking like just I'm giving a business That's a perfect scenario. example and I'm thinking Oh my God, like what I want them to work with me. What if I don't work with them? And I'm just thinking, like, okay, like I'll just say, yeah, even if it's a money right. thing, I get with money, I'll get shut yeah. down. But I'm hearing now all these times that I've done that, and there's been a lot of problems because of that, because yeah. I don't want to confront. I'm from the Midwest, whatever the I'm a woman, I'll just say it's from my upbringing, but also just I feel like my default is just being really nice. I want everyone to like me. I don't want anyone to be upset, even on the show. I'm like, I'm not talking, po- I want to help people have better sex. That is my mission. I want people to be able to ask where they want to bed, to communicate it, to be in their bodies. I want a lot of things, but I don't want to, I also want people to like me. So, or I want, and so I shut down and I might not say the right things, but to now have this tool and I haven't taken one of your courses and I want to hear more about the, the questions. It's so powerful to think, even if it's a reporter, I get interviewed all the time, ask me a question rather than just rambling sometimes as I do. I could be like, Clara, even asking a clarifying question yeah. in the moment when you're not feeling safe or you're not feeling yeah. like you know, is just a huge freedom. It's a huge freedom and it gives you that the space, that space that you might need and it takes back your power. The reasons why people freeze, you know, the default that women have to keep mm-hmm. their attention in, what you described, I want to be the good girl, da, 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 yeah. da, da. That's just, liked, that's right? just, But that's just what happens when your attention's inward. If right. you put your attention out, 
and completely saturate the other person with your attention, you're not thinking about whether you're good or bad. You're thinking about where they are and how to move them, either mm-hmm. forward, backward, or out of your fucking way. Right, exactly. It just becomes natural. Right. Give me some more of the, of the tools. I thought it'd be fun, too, to do a... Um well, well the, <laughs> the the verbal self-defense stuff, that's... The, yeah, I love the, you, verbal self-defense. What a great... And you have a course that you teach on this yeah, online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which also okay. has to do with like the, the string of ambiguous sentences that somebody can sometimes give you to put pressure on you and how to deal with those. Like what? Give me an example. Um, well, oftentimes compromising situations aren't created with one statement like, if you fuck me, I'll give you a role in a movie, right? <laughs> right. right. It, it sounds a little bit more like, I got lots of friends in this town and, uh, you know, I could be very helpful to you for friends and come to my hotel room and be my friend. Like a lot of ambiguous, yeah. right? So the tool that we use for that is called location and it's a really simple sentence. It's just a clarifying sentence okay. that goes, it seems that, fill in the blank, is that true? It seems that you want to get me into bed. Is that true? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> it seems that you're promising me a very successful movie career if I sleep with you. Is that true? Right. It seems that you're very used to getting your way. Is that true? Like whatever it is, it, it has the same function of putting attention out, but before um, it's easier to hit back. So if I say that to someone, but let's say I'm younger, I'm feeling that, and I'm, I'm a, it's scary because what if he goes, Fuck you! I can't believe that you'd say that. And then it's anger. Like I could see the yeah, next yeah, step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. what? What's the next step? Well, I mean, that's why we have an entire training course about <laughs> okay. it. But you but can, also, but also, course. but also, this this is just one tiny tool. And this is like right. I know we, we've never we've never put forward one tiny piece of one basically tool out of the whole course. True. Forward. And the reason for that was because I felt this emergency happening. Right. You know, it is like, an emergency. So, cause here's the thing. Cause let me just answer my own question. If a guy says that to me, well, I can't believe you're saying that or he gets angry. Clearly that's what he wants. And do I want to sleep with someone to get well, a role you, in the movie? You, you do another statement. You know? <laughs> yeah. You it seems like you're really angry now. Is that true? It seems like it really angered you to think that you weren't going to get your way. Is that true? Do you, and then, and then it could be a penetrating question like in, in round one, right. which is, do you realize how uncomfortable you make women when you act this way? Is that something you want is that the impact you want to have right is that your intention is this yeah what you want? And, and really the only goal of all of these in verbal self-defense is just to buy enough time to get out of the fucking room right right like God, it's not a, it's so not a helpful. conflict resolution uh, it's not the complete thing you know like in our courses we teach women to ask anyone for anything anything and like literally like a raise change, change my tire could you move can i have your parking spot what, buy me a matter. castle like right. ask anyone <laughs> for anything anytime and have it feel good and then teaching them how to play with resistance and no like this is that's the arc of the curriculum. That's the, the meaty part. Like if a woman can freely express herself from a place of desire, um, whether it's financial, professional, if she can, from the deepest part of her, feel completely unafraid right. to express what it is that's moving her soul, and speak it cleanly, clearly, with total body congruence, feeling great about it, and the hundred percent of it, not ninety-five percent of it, not diminishing it, not thinking, this is what I want. This is what I think I can get. What's the spot in between that's going to be my ask? No, the whole fucking thing. Right. Don't even think about the middle part. Just ask for it. Yeah. Like people want and people want that clarity. Like people yes, want to do. know what you want. Yes, they do. Yeah. I mean, they really. I can only see this just propelling women to so many more places of authentic power, like yeah. internally and externally, where it I matches also, up. I also have this feeling, and maybe it's the exposure I've had to men. Maybe it's the men I've known. <laughs> but like, I have this really deep love for the men that I've known because I feel like what they want more than anything else is a chance to win like heterosexual men want a chance to win with women right and when a woman asks for less than what she wants and he goes through the trouble of delivering it 
and he can't feel her light up. She's like, thank you so much. This right. is so nice. But he knows somewhere deep down inside he hasn't hit the fucking spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally and figuratively, right? Yeah, yeah. He feels it and it diminishes his not only sense of self, but his desire to try again. I feel like um, men are very oftentimes in no-win situations. They are. Well, so that's what I love about this too because with everything with Me Too happening, I think it's obviously, this, is, this isn't just like a... Um, a blip on the radar like this is a, truly is a movement like I liken this to like Rosa Parks and the bus like I feel like what's happening now is such a change that when I keep getting questions or speaking about it or writing about it or even talking about my show I don't think like what do we do now I'm like well it's really not just talking it's sort of this full body somatic uh, like somatic like an experience of what's happening in the moment with our body and our breath and body language it's everything body language and words and I'm like we need to teach men we don't need to keep men down but and women because men are not the culprits here at all like my heart is even wider for men open for men because i feel like everyone's just walking i'm really confused right now and how do we teach men and women together and i feel like that's the work that you're doing that it's sort of like it's been horrible what's happened but now that the light's open the light has shown on this and everybody's like now what now what now what and they're craving to know what to do there isn't and i've been kind of sitting here for a few months my team knows that when it's first happened i was like i can't even do shows like i can't sit here and talk about how to get the oral sex you want or how to get the orgasms or how to ask for what you want. When there's like a crisis going on and I feel like I've been doing this for so long, how can I go help change the world in this way? Like, I don't even know. Like, I was like, that's all I really need to talk about. And the result, I haven't been talking about it as much because I feel like anything I say would be, it helps, but it's smaller because it's just, I don't know. There has to be a behavioral change and there has to be a people's willingness. And I think right now that there's just a lot of fear and confusion yeah. and that every day there's someone else coming, the stories are coming out that another man is wrong that's keeping men quieter, I think, many men. Yeah. I think the men who are asking aren't necessarily the men that we're reading about. Most men, I think, want to please women and they're in a good, they like women and they're probably doing things right but what I'm saying is it's just how do you go to a place where in using a language that no one's ever used or thought about before when it's our base level is masculine energy, feminine energy, how we relate, how do you untie, how do you unpack all of that? And I've been and reading your stuff and seeing your courses. I think it's such a great step. It's such a great approach with me too. Thanks. They say there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come, right? And right. ideas are great. Ideas are great, but um, there's no substitute for a fully felt visceral experience. And one of the reasons that the work that I do is designed the way that it is. And also, I think why a lot of corporations are now trying to have me do their sexual harassment training is because the best human beings are social learners. We are, especially when it comes to social skills, we are social learners. If I give you a list of things that you are to do and not to do that will make you more powerful, right? Don't use up speak. Don't say um. Mind your posture. If I give you a list, you will forget 90% of that list within two hours. Right? Yeah. And that's what that's that's how we're trying to train people. Don't do this. This is bad. This is good. However, if you train women to speak in the moment they feel something, you have an instantaneous, well calibrated biofeedback learning loop. Right? A lot of a lot of guys don't know the impact they're having on women. They're socially awkward and devastating them, or they're monsters or not monsters, right. but they don't know. And hearing about it in some vague terms 20 exactly. years later does not educate them. Mm-mm. But if they feel it, they, they do something and they get instant feedback in the moment. 
do you realize that that kind of statement may make a woman feel uncomfortable? Right. Right. They learn then. They're like, oh, this is what that felt like. Right. Even if they get defensive. It's okay, because they might. No one's ever called them out on it, but this is the work that women can do in the moment. And, and men, and, speak up. And doing so, they're training themselves to be fully self-expressed and training men to see impact. And this goes beyond gender because the same power dynamics happen in any status differential, whether it's financial or racial. Right. It happens all the time. So when you have people educated in training each other, then sometimes ideas are enough to, for people to create their own fully felt visceral experiences. What I want is for women and people to learn how to speak and see each other in a way where they're constantly training each other, therefore creating culture and recreating culture with every human conversation and interaction. And that way we become an organically organized society that uses empathy as an incredible skill, not an you know, that empath complaint. I feel too much, I'm overwhelmed. I know, no. it makes me, we have to all feel more. If we use power dynamics, right? Like if we're feeling something, but then putting our attention out and leading people, mm-hmm. then it's not an entirely internal experience. That right. energy, that instruction has a place to go. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly informing, reinforming, educating each other about who we are. This is the thing that's, I think, missing in our, in our world is that we're very isolated, and we're not accustomed to telling each other the truth, the truth from, in the a, mo- bod- from exactly. a bodily felt place. Right. So it's also, because here's the thing. So let's say the workplace. And Okay, so back up. The thing I've been thinking is, it was the patriarchy that built the system we're in now, right? Like, so even in the work, and when you're saying these things in the workplace, I've always heard, like, leave emotions out of it. It's a business. Don't bring your emotions in. But, like, we talk about everything here. I know that I've only had to work for myself because I feel like I don't know how I could work in other areas. But for a lot of people, they think, how could you do that in a workplace? Or our family, we don't discuss emotions, but it's kind of like we've sort of ripped apart this whole very base way of communicating, of being empathic and sharing feelings and real-time feedback to people or even parents where we think we can never speak up and we hold on and it becomes resentment and it builds up. So how do you even change the way, like that's where I get overwhelmed, but it's in the moment is what you're saying of practicing and learning just basic skills. So in the moment when things are uncomfortable to speak up, to not wait anymore yeah, and not to sit with something that's uncomfortable. But do you still believe that there are rules around that? Like, well, you shouldn't do it at well, look, church. Look, 20 years ago, um, you know the the author of Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow? Daniel mm. Kahneman, what I think is his name. Familiar. Well, 20 years ago, he introduced the idea that emotions play an impact in negotiations. And everybody went, no way. Emotions have nothing to do with me. Yeah. No, they don't. And it took 20 years. And people are like, oh, yeah, emotions. Now, it's the entire somatic experience. Right. The entire... Like, it's not like if words communicate information, then how you are being about it tells the other how to interpret it. Right. So I can ask you for something three different ways, and it can be the same exact words. Can I have some ice cream? Right? Right. Can I have some ice cream? Go get me some ice cream. Right? (laughs) Like, I could even use the same exact sentence, but how, I mean... We have such an over-reliance on the words spoken and the intellectual information that we forget that we're constantly informing each other on a sub-language level how the other is supposed to feel about it. And that is, I think, (laughs) beyond body language. We're going to give a shout-out to our sponsors. When I come back, we're um, talking to Kasha Urbaniak more about the Academy. If you've been listening to the podcast, it should come as no surprise that women typically take longer to orgasm than men. This, my friends, is called the orgasm gap. 
And now there's something you can do about it. There's a topical treatment. It's called Promescent and it enhances men's ability to last longer. No pills, no prescription, and no questionable claims. Developed by urologists, Promescent isn't your typical delay spray. Instead of simply relying on chemicals that numb everything, it leaves you with plenty of sensation. Enhancing your experience is easy. You just apply it to the underside of the penis before sex. And unlike other products, once Promescent is absorbed, it won't transfer to your partner. It's FDA compliant and clinically proven to help men last up to 64% longer. So give Promescent a try. To learn more or order yours, just go to sexwithemily.com slash enhance. That's sexwithemily.com slash E-N-H-A-N-C-E today. How do women safely then use their sexuality? Do you think that some of this stuff is going to be obsolete? Like, aren't there ways to be sexual? Then how do we talk, use this in sexuality, let's say, or even in the bedroom if you're just a couple who wants to have healthier sex and healthier communication around sex? Because what I find from women a lot, and including myself, I was one of these girls that was very passive. You know, I didn't have a lot of sex education, and I was very much like, when I started having sex, you know, in my late teens or up to my early 20s, I was like, the man's going to show up and he's going to know what to do because I don't know my body. I don't know what feels good. It was very deferential. And that if I did speak up, I was probably afraid of being a slut. And I wanted to be the good girl and not have too many partners and all these things. And then you cut to like even relate people who are in committed relationships. How do you still have that dynamic of getting people to to open up and to feel comfortable asking for what they want in it sexually and in a relationship using what we know, using well, this language, think, using I think, somatics? I think there are two two parts to this. And the first part is more hidden and insidious. The first part, I had to begin addressing more sexuality in my classes, even though my classes are not about sexuality or BDSM. Um, this first part was so important to address because I found that without it, women could not find, quote unquote, their voices or stand in their mm -hmm. power. So um, I like to tell the story of Sleeping Beauty, not the original, <laughs> the one we grew up with. Right, exactly. And it paints this picture of a woman who's in a coma, basically, who has no desire, has no feeling, is not even conscious. And it isn't until the right, white, heterosexual, wealthy, well-statused, chosen prince comes along and kisses the life into her and kisses the sex into her. And so unconsciously, a lot of time, there's this pattern of belief that a woman's sexuality comes from the outside. It's awakened from the outside. And it's not exactly true. Exactly. Someday we my prince will come yeah. and so will I. We, we give life. We have more orgasmic potential than men do. We are voracious and alive. And uh, having a woman begin, see, begin to see herself as her own pleasure center and she's generating the energy too. She's bringing the energy. Yeah. She's, she's she is the reason sex happens. Everything, <laughs> women. We are the reason that sex. We bring it to the table. We don't. Really, I want women to understand this. Stand and then, the power and then, of it. It, then it starts becoming a lot easier to see how men are actually responding to women. We're talking in, in the heterosexual paradigm right now, right? Mm -hmm. But like in the animal kingdom, it's almost all across the board the same. A woman experiences her own, a female animal experiences her own erotic energy, and then the men come. Then the males of the right. species come, and they're responding. And this really turns the patriarchal lie on its head that we are responding to men. They right. are responding to exactly. us constantly. They right. are constant. So having that perception, perceptual shift 
does so much for my students in terms of understanding how to quote unquote use their sexuality. Because the, the the fucked up part <laughs> is that nobody ever accuses a man of using his sexuality. No. What does a man look like when he's being sexy? He's standing up straight like a cock with a tie exactly. on, right? <laughs> and nobody goes exactly. like, "Oh my god, he's being so sexual," right? right? No, he's a, just a woman with integrated sex- sexuality is turned on. She's turned on by success. She's turned on by flowers. She's turned on by, she's turned on. She's just turned on. And we're not, we're, we're not supposed to think that way. But as our own erotic pleasure centers, uh, the center of the universe to which others respond to, um, that, that shift is really, really important and powerful. The second part has to do with asking and has to do with knowing how to ask from a dominant place and a submissive place, wherever it's appropriate. So like... Telling people what you want in sex can be incredibly hot or an incredible buzzkill. So (laughs) learning how to ask in a congruent, full body felt way is a really powerful tool in the bedroom. Because you're in your body and you're, I talk a lot about just breathing before sex and in the moment when we're in our heads, because that's one of the big complaints with people. I've done this too in the past. I try not to do this anymore. We're in our heads and we're thinking, is this going to be accepted? Do I want this? Did I leave the oven? You know, did I leave the door open? What's going to happen that we're not truly into our bodies? We're not breathing into it from a place of even knowing what we want. If a student told me that, I'd say in that moment, stop, get a notepad, write 10 requests on a piece of paper and hand it to your lover. Just like get the intellect. Just get it out. Just yeah. ask for it. So how do you, so asking for it would even be if it feels shaky at first, just ask. Like don't overthink it. There's a lot of overthinking, overanalyzing. Right. But you can't tell somebody to not overthink something because the first thing they're going to do is overthink, overthink why you said it that? And, and, then and, like, pu- and then punish themselves for thinking. For, for overthinking yeah. our entire yeah. lives. Right. So there's, you know, there's different ways of bypassing it depending on like what level of communication you're at. Sometimes it's something as simple as like setting up oral sex in such a way where, you know, like the giver and the receiver are holding hands, and when the receiver likes it more, he or she squeezes harder. It doesn't have to be all words. No, but it needs to be communication. It needs to be explicitly stated. Right. So true. I mean, we the just, container is sacred. You know. So how you have started bringing sexuality into your classes more? So you have to. So the curriculum is the curriculum, but the content or the substance of it is what women want. So if they want better sex, that class is about better sex. Exactly. If they want, if they want, you know, world domination, then that's the subject of the class. And I'm going to say that a lot of it does start with sexuality. That when a woman is feeling and she's in her body, not just like showing up, like being the boss or having it ticked off all day. She's a great mom, or she's a great, you know, wife, or she's a, you know, Olympic skier, or what. It doesn't. None of that really matters in the sense of if she's still not. But she's going home and having bad sex, or she's surrendering things. Like I feel like it all starts with disaster. Sex is a disaster for so many, and they're like, "Well, I'm too busy to even think about my own sex." So I feel like once women anchor into that, the power and what we're talking about, which might seem so esoteric, saying like we're the center of the universe and we bring the energy, but we do. And I've talked a lot about energy dynamics. And wait, can I give you a really simple simple example? This is really simple because um, when I went to study with the Taoist nuns, they're celibate. But their sexuality, their, all of their reproductive system energetically is integrated. They're constantly doing practices to alchemize sexual energy and to include it. These women are terrifying in how powerful they are. Because when you look at one of these well-practiced Taoist nuns, you, you get the sensation that her body is the tip of the iceberg and the other 95% of her is deep in the earth and she's unshakable wow. and immovable. And the, the, there's this great story about the head abbot, the female abbot, when the communists came 
to uh, demolish the monastery. All she did is she stood on the mountaintop and looked at them and they all ran away. I can't imagine that. <laughs> and these are the women that taught you. So you studied with, you studied Taoism. Yeah. yeah. And so this is, a, this is an example of a woman whose sexuality is integrated and yet she's celibate and she is the epitome of No masturbation of either, huh? Um, Maybe? You can't... You can't. It will, it's healthy for women to orgasm. Yes, it I is. Get it? Yes, okay. it is. But the, the, now you're talking about a whole set of <laughs> so esoteric it, practices that have that have that function, but don't necessarily look like what we think they would look like. If you open certain gates through breath and movement, and you know, I know, that's right? Orgasm is not just one going over the ledge yeah. and having the orgasm. I get it. It's the full body, and this is achievable. I think this is a great place for women to start too by realizing that when you're in your, when you're just in your body without the goal of anything of what it looks like, but just you're in your your power and your sexuality, that everything else sort of can. Will come fall into place. Well, that's also the thing is that like uh, um, men have a tendency to breathe lower than women in in our culture because uh, every woman who's cut off from the waist down or suppressed sexually, her voice is higher, her center of gravity is higher. She's literally easier to knock over. She she broadcasts as an animal that's compromised, a weaker animal, not because she's smaller, but because only half of her is like she's easier to tackle. Right. Um, a man has a tendency to be, I'm not saying men don't experience sexual shame, but a man has a tendency to have his cock and his balls better integrated into right. his body, breathe lower, have a lower center of gravity and be harder to knock over mm-hmm. and therefore transmits more powerfully. So uh, excluding that from say, how does a woman negotiate or raise more powerfully is pointless. Right. It has to be in there somewhere. How do you do you talk about breath work in your courses? Do you teach it? Because I know that there was a quote like you're like, I don't care if you love yourself. Like, I don't fucking even care about that. But do you, this, here's what I asked for. Like, do you start with the words and the rest comes? Nope. So how does it? I only teach with attention. So when you put your attention in fully, you naturally relax, start breathing. When you put your attention out, you enter a flow state. And the other person is the only person that exists. The only other thing that exists is the instructions you're giving them to move them and to see the impact of your movements mm-hmm. on them. And when the attention is complete, right, the attention out is complete, the flow state relaxes your body, has you do all of the right power poses without any instruction, all of the breathing, all of the facial expression, it all comes together. Because mm-hmm. naturally in a hierarchy as an animal, if you had your attention out and you'd be the alpha, you'd be behaving that way anyway. And conversely, you put all of your attention in, you begin to glow in a different way. Mm-hmm. You're the person to be contributed to, the person to be led, the person to be cared for. You attract attention as you put attention on yourself. And also, your body does that matching thing where you're softer, your breath is softer, and um, you don't have to receive instructions on how to be more uh, vulnerable or quote-unquote feminine because it all happens it all with attention. Because you're just because so many. What is your reasoning, or why do you believe that so many women walk around disconnected? That's a huge theme on the show that we are so disconnected from. I mean, from our bodies, from our breath. We don't think about it. I mean, I hear from women every single day, whether it's friends on the st- people on the street, friends, emails to the show. I don't want sex. I have low desire. You know, all these things. And they don't. Even th- I have to like encourage them to masturbate. Encourage them to to get into practices where they're like, I haven't even thought about it. You know, how do you? Has you know? I know well, it hasn't I mean, always been this way. But we've asked to step into male roles. Like, what do you think it is now? And then, I mean, I think it's the same thing it's always been, really. I mean, uh, first thing, first question I ask in a lot of my classes, even if there's 200 people present, is I ask everyone to close their eyes and and raise your hand if you've had unwanted sex, which transmits to the body like rape or like trauma. All the hands go up. Then I ask who's been raped, who's been abused. And it's just like, you know, we've been fucked with so hard yeah. so many ways. And without the tools that I'm trying to bring into the world, so right. that happens less, that there's a lot to overcome. 
But this is also why I teach these tools, because in the moment, it doesn't matter if you have trauma, if you can put your attention out and give a few simple instructions, or if you can put your attention in, like, it's just such a a good cultural bypass. You know, eventually, we'll all have the traumas we want healed, healed. But until then, I don't want to wait until everybody feels psychologically whole and past their trauma before they start. We can't wait. No. It's a pro- that's why you call it like a process too. That's why it's a practice. Yeah. Like everyone thinks like you get to a place and you're done. Like you're done with therapy or yoga or meditation. And for me, like it's all, it's a lifelong practice. So yeah. And, but the, the things that I teach are not a lifelong practice. This is the thing. These, this, this is the differentiation. You go to therapy for a reason. You come to the academy so that you don't have to wait 10 years before you can kick ass at a negotiation or have your lover give you the sex you want. Like, the world can't wait for that. Right. And it starts with in in, in the academy. So with people, so everyone can sign up for the academy, your courses, you're probably like totally sold out right now, but um, (laughs) they could take it in person or online. Yeah. And if they can't take your course, though, there's a lot on your website. Yeah, and also we're we're planning to have some summer games. Oh, okay. Bad Girl Olympics. So anybody who wants to can sign up for free to be part of this grand mission every week, getting missions to do. Everywhere in the world they can implement. <laughs> yeah, love it. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they can go to your website, which is weteachpower.com. Weteachpower.com and sign up and yeah. check out more about yeah. what Kasha has to say. Thank you for being here. Kasha, will you stay and answer some emails for me? Sure. Okay, love answering your questions. It's why I exist on the planet. If you want one answer to the show, you can text Ask Emily all one word to 797979. Fill out the form or go to my website, sexwithemily.com. Click on the Ask Emily tab. Always include your name, your age, where you live, and how you listen to the show. Okay, this is from Bethany, 24, Indiana. Emily, I'm married to the most amazing man on the face of the planet. Growing up, my parents were ultra-religious and conservative. They didn't have the sex talk with us about premarital sex as if it was the worst thing you could ever do and just had a really unhealthy view on sex by surrounding it with guilt. Well, my husband and I, of course, had sex before we were married, but as soon as we got married, my parents talked about how important it was and that we should be doing it all the time. My brain doesn't flip that easy. I grew up feeling that sex was terrible, that I should feel guilty about having sexual thoughts, and sometimes even feel guilty after having sex with my husband. I adore my husband, we have a great sex life. Any advice how to leave that out of the bedroom and just enjoy my sexuality, thanks for the help. I love this question, I love that you're here, Kasha, because I think that a lot of us suffer from guilt, trauma, You know, a lot of it around religion or what our parents told us, the messaging from early childhood. So how in the moment, do we rewire our brains to kind of show up? And like, how can she, how can Bethany show up and be present without hearing these messages in her brain with her husband to have healthy sex? Her parents were always hearing those voices. Well, her and her husband could play a really fun game together. They could do a very sexy written exercise where um, they both write down everything they're ashamed of about sex. And they use the form, I am ashamed that... I licked your balls. I am ashamed that I want sex sometimes when I don't think you want it. I am ashamed that we're disappointing God. And then they read it to each other one sentence at a time. And the response from the other person is, oh, that's hot. Whether they feel it or not. Right. Just to get the idea that shame is hot. 
And I love that. I love that. I'm always saying like write down a bucket list of what you want to try, and that's a great reverse to kind of untangle. Well, all this these is the thing, and then you rewire it. Like, oh, that's hot. Shame, and I and shame no is walk. so sexy. That's the way to liberate shame. The way to liberate shame is to connect it to the erotic. I mean. I don't know, 80% of the hottest things I found in the dungeon as a dominatrix were things that the client was ashamed of and going, oh, you like that. You like that perverted thing, don't you? That's so hot. And in that space of approval, so much energy and erotic power was liberated that suddenly it became hotter and hotter. And they for could you want other or for them? The, the whole room. The whole room was freaking, right, you can't separate it because yeah. you were really engaged. Yeah, I can see that. That is, that is a very powerful exercise. I love that idea. It also creates a lot of intimacy between them. It does. And the intimacy is, is hot. Intimacy. And I think that people are very confused sometimes by what intimacy means. And that words can be intimacy. Touch can be intimacy. And they're worried that it's not just about the sex. Like couples who email, they're like, we just don't even have sex anymore. If you, if, When you're vulnerable and really open and you say the things that you think you could never, ever say to anybody. Yeah. And you take away the power that they hold over you, which yeah. is so many things. You just realize that you are released. Yeah. And when someone stands there and you realize they're not going to leave you and yeah. they love you even more for it, it yeah. is some of the hottest, hottest sex and the hottest connections, even with friends. Like I know my friends I've had for years when I, and that's why we are best friends, but it can keep getting deeper when I say things from like, this is what I'm thinking. Like my best friend was here this weekend. We've been friends for 30 years and she was visiting me and I realized like, there were some things I was afraid to say, to, not afraid, but in the moment, I was like, okay, usually I'd be afraid that you're going to get angry because you do that angry thing, but I'm not afraid. I know you're not going where we've been friends for 30 years. I'm going to tell you this. And it was like, I didn't think we could even get closer, but this is a girlfriend. And she was like, oh my God, first of all, you're never that direct. You're never like, I'm like, I'm not afraid of your fear and your anger. And it's like, we talked about it all weekend because she broke through her bullshit anger that she has about things. And it was like, amazing. So especially when you feel safe. Now, I'm not going to do it every day with someone I just met, but when you're in a relationship or with somebody and you say it and they don't, and you realize they're not going to leave you, it just, ah. It's freedom. It's, every, it's, everything. it's everything. It is freedom. It's great advice. Thank you, Kasha. This has been a great show. I appreciate it. Everyone can find you everywhere at um, an Instagram. What's your Instagram? Real Kasha Urbaniak. Real Kasha Urbaniak. Facebook.com. The Real Kasha Urbaniak and your website. We teach power.com. We teach power. I hope everyone checks out your your courses and your website. It's really powerful. Thanks for all the work you're doing and thanks for being here today. And thanks Thank to my you. amazing team. I love you all. Thanks to Ken, volunteer Sarah, producer Jamie, and Michael. Was it good for you? Email me, feedback at sexwithemily.com. I'm fascinated with sex tech and innovation. And from the second I heard about UV, I didn't hesitate to jump on board and be part of their Kickstarter campaign, which was a huge success thanks to you. Now it's been over a year and UV is the hottest thing to hit the sex toy market in years. Why? Well, for one, it's the only product on the market that can sanitize sex toys while charging and discreetly storing them. UV is designed for the intricate contours of luxury sex toys, but can handle anything from hairbrushes to jewelry to remote controls. And not only does it clean and charge my phone every night, the onboard USB ports keeps my toys ready to go. UV makes cleaning toys so easy, and it's available in two sizes, the Go Play and the larger Home version. I've already furnished my home with a dozen of these. I mean, hey, you know how many sex toys I have. UV is an elegant box with a locking function. I just open the lid, place in my items to be clean, and close the box. Depending on which UV you have, cleaning takes between 5 and 10 minutes. The ultraviolet cleaning system has been proven to eliminate 99.9% .9 of harmful bacteria found on sex toys and other items. If you're a lover of sex toys, you can order one for yourself. 
To learn more, just click on the UV banner on my website or visit uvclean.com slash Emily. That's U-V-E-E-C-L-E-A-N dot com slash Emily today.